0: Hey there! We're the Westlaw Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above, as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John LaCombe, and I'm Eric Skoskiusko. Well, guys, um, we are getting into our previews tonight. Uh, again, a little bit, a little bit of context here. We're recording this on July 16th, um, so. You know, if anything has changed between now and when you're listening to this, uh, don't hold it against us that we're not talking about it. Um, Tonight, we're talking about Michigan State. This is a team that was going to be our opening day. They might still be. We just don't know at this point. Um, But a Michigan State team breaking in a whole new coach, a whole new everything. Um, John, will they have a whole new defense?
1: Let this be the team, please. Furiously knocking. Let this be the team we play opening week. Um, So if there is any team where the length of time we've been doing these previews, and I think this is what, this is our, I mean, it's our 10th, it's our 10th year doing the pod. um, And gosh, it's close, got to be close to that doing the previews. Um, If there's any team where the length of time we've been doing this can be brought to bear this season, it's Michigan State. Because we've learned a lot about the Spartans over the years. And all of that knowledge shows us that there may be some serious storm clouds gathering here. So first, this is the obvious part. We know that Michigan State has had, over the past decade, arguably the best defense year in and year out in the Big Ten. With run defense, it isn't even remotely close. Um, Michigan State has blown away the rest of the Big Ten and the nation in this regard. No one in the country has had a better run defense over the past decade than Michigan State. It's what they do. However, we also know that several other things are true. Michigan State's defense is built the exact same way Northwestern's defense is. And in down years, and Michigan State's had a couple recently, the two teams tend to run pretty parallel to each other, with Michigan State being the slightly better defense. This was especially true this past year, because both defenses faced the exact same problem, which was an offense that put the the defense under tremendous amount of strain. Michigan State finished with the sixth best total defense in the conference, and we were the seventh best total defense in the conference. And remember, um, of course, that this is the best defensive conference in the country, and teams four through eight were really closely bunched statistically, and were all really good, including us and Michigan State. However, this brings us to the big thing with Michigan State— The Spartan defense is based on culture over talent. Michigan State recruits well defensively, but not at a level remotely similar to the way that Michigan and Ohio State recruit defensive football players. But Mark D'Antonio built such a strong system that they're often nation-best with a group of guys not much more talented than the guys that Northwestern has year in and year out. But we have seen that when that culture is disrupted – Things get very weird very quickly. That's what happened when Pat Narduzzi left. For several years, Michigan State was really teetering. Before, to his credit, D'Antonio really righted the ship in a big way. But now, of course, D'Antonio is gone. And this is a serious moment of truth for a defensive football team and its culture. Coming not after a year of dominance. We talked about this past decade with this team. That's not last year. Um, This is a year, this was, last year was a year of strain for this defense and especially for MSU, real mediocrity on defense. So hiring Mel Tucker and putting Scotty Hazleton in charge of the D was probably the right move because these are culture guys from places like Kansas State who get the idea of building a defense through culture and not through marquee recruits. But to say this is going to be a bump in the road is probably a big understatement because in addition to the coaching change, Michigan State is looking at massive player turnover. They lose their numbers 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, and 10 tacklers, and that's underselling the problem because the problem comes on the defensive line because of the way this defense has been put together historically. Michigan State doesn't try to get sacks. They work better than anyone else in the country to neutralize offensive linemen so that the back seven can go to work. Mike Panasek and Rayquan Williams embodied that standard last year. 84 tackles combined, 16.5 tackles for loss, and seven sacks is a massive amount of production for two defensive tackles. But as much as those guys held the standard, Kenny Willicks went beyond it. For several years, he was a dominant end and a pass rushing threat for a unit that really isn't used to having that and didn't really need it. So he put up 16 tackles for loss and 10 and a half sacks last year, and that's gone now. These guys are all gone. And these are massive holes that this new administration has to fill. Jacob Panasuk, Mike's younger brother, is a potentially great player. He's going to do his part. But there's a lot left to figure out here on the defensive line. Michigan State's in much better shape at linebacker, which is ironic because it was devastating to the Spartans last year when they lost Joe Bacci, who was the heart and soul of the defense and really the heart and soul of the D'Antonio way. But Michigan State still returns more here than anywhere else. Noah Harvey is solid, if unexceptional. But Antoine Simmons is a monster. Um, He flies all over the place on both sides of the line. He led the team in tackles last year, and he also had 15 tackles for loss. In the secondary, they lose a fourth-round draft pick in quarterback Josiah Scott, and they also lose safety David Dowell. More importantly, though, Michigan State returns the 83 tackles and two picks uh, provided by Xavier Henderson, who is a classic Michigan State defensive back, just a freight train. He plays as an extra linebacker um, and he's a big asset for them. However, this was not a good secondary against the pass last year at all. And yes, that tends to be the MO for Michigan State back there because it's not a point of emphasis for this defense. But several untested players are going to get severely tested through the air next year, especially early on. So, and Sam talked about it off the top, I mean, this feels like a bit of a perfect storm for Northwestern, assuming, again, that we get the Spartans in Week 1. If we assume that Peyton Ramsey is the Week 1 starter, he will be facing a defense he is very familiar with that is a solid notch below its usual level, especially against the pass. So, yes, Michigan State returns excellent players in the younger Panasuck, Antoine Simmons, and Xavier Henderson. But everyone else will be figuring things out for weeks. Honestly, if not years. Because we've seen what happens when this culture gets disrupted. And we're definitely going to be able to take advantage of that, especially if we get the Spartans early. So here's hoping.
0: Uh, So on the flip side, Skuz, I mean, Michigan State, similar problem to Northwestern last year. uh, Struggled on offense. Brian lorkey has gone what does that mean for them
2: yeah uh John's comment around all the turnover on defense they have just as many problems on the offensive side and this this offense in some ways is really starting from scratch so um in in, in 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 addition to that their offense has been in decline since 2016 uh 2019 itself was the second consecutive bad year of offense for Michigan state. and um, they did improve to 91st in S and P plus, uh, up from 112th. Some of that is cause, uh, Brian Lewerke stayed healthy, but he really had no better production than, than, uh, he did his sophomore year. He, he essentially did not improve in three years in the program. Um, he also threw almost double the interceptions in 2019 that he did, uh, as a sophomore. So that was problematic. Uh, Cody White also stayed healthy that that certainly helped them to have a, um, a solid receiving target two years you know two years prior in 2018 they lost both White and Felton Davis to injury it was a disaster uh, but White was good as predicted Daryl Stewart who'd kind of been the third banana to those guys um, the, the prior two years he was able to step up and fill the void but left by Felton Davis and then Elijah Cun- Collins their their running back he ran well enough to make Connor Haywood an afterthought, and he's listed on some preseason All-American teams this year, you know, usually like the third team or something for the Big Ten, but still. So the big like, what went wrong? Um, I mentioned, I mentioned the, the, the picks from Lewerke and, and such, but there are two bigger problems that, that I saw. So first, this is a point I've been harping on with Michigan State since I predicted their disastrous 2016 season. And that's wide receiver depth, and particularly big framed guys a uh, wide receiver that can win balls downfield. That was how D'Antonio liked his offense to operate. Run, 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 throw a back shoulder sideline pass and let your 6'4 dude go get it. That's great when you've got a Felton Davis on your team. Last year, you know, Cody White was still pretty big framed. He could kind of fill that role like I said, Daryl Stewart was able to to step up into Davis's role It's uh, to a certain degree. They both averaged, you know, 14-ish yards per, per catch. But no third option ever emerged. Basically, they couldn't re- replace the production from Daryl Stewart, and those guys were blanketed. The guy who was expected to play there, Jalen Naylor, he got injured in Game 1. Uh, they essentially played, like, a true freshman, Trey Mosley, and two tight ends. Those guys caught, you know, somewhere between 15 and 20 balls apiece. And there was no other wide receiver on the radar. That's a huge problem. Uh, the other thing is that the, the, the bigger problem, tight ends aside, none of those guys were big. I think Cody White was like 6'3", but everybody else was a, was a fast slot guy that just didn't factor well into the way that they ran offense. The bigger issue, though, is that Michigan State's offensive line has been in decline for three years. They peaked in 2016 and just have fallen further and further every year. Particularly when you look at the advanced rushing stats, 2018 was a catastrophe. They averaged they were they were 100 they averaged 125 rushing yards per game. Now that was no surprise given that they had nine different O-line combinations, a ton of injuries. The expectation was that they would bounce back in 20, 2019. They had five returning starters, all juniors and seniors. Their coaching staff was intact. Phil Steele even said, and I quote, MSU should have the most improved O-line in the Big Ten. Nope. <laughs> Again, they lost roughly 40 starts to injuries. Not as bad as the prior year. Uh, losing Kevin Jarvis, who who some people say is, is, is their best offensive line player, didn't help. But... Their running yards per game only improved to 128. It was it was a problem. They did get much better on sack rate. Now, I chalk some of that up to the fact that they had a healthy, non-concussed Brian Lewerke all season, whereas in 2018, you had Lewerke and then young Rocky Lombardi who, who didn't throw as much as Lewerke but got sacked just as much. Here are their advanced stats in 2019. Adjusted line yards, 112th in the country. Standard down yards, 125th. Power rate, 96th. Stuff rate, 113th. They had a 6-foot, 220-pound running back who averaged 4.5 yards per carry, and they had the 113th worst, worst stuff rate in the country? That is a goddamn disaster. Now, they were pretty decent on passing downs, but they actually attempted less passes than the year before when they had to play Rombaki, Rocky Lombardi a third of the season. You know what this all adds up to? Poor Coaching. And especially poor development on the O line. I've seen this cited in other places that, that the, the development track at, at, at Michigan State has fallen off. I saw in pick six previews they looked at, you know, the five years before 2015 and the five years since, uh, or four years since whatever, and and essentially, um, you know, number of draft they were high up in terms of teams and number of draft book picks, but low in in terms of recruiting rankings, and those those flipped after the 2015 season it's it's just problematic i mean like on o-line they had two guys drafted in 2016 and another drafted in 2018 two of those three were basically unrated recruits and they haven't had a single o-line drafted in the last two years while we're at it two receivers drafted in 2012 two more in 2015 one in 2016 and nothing since and that leaves Michigan State essentially building from scratch in 2020. So they do bring in Jay Johnson. Uh, he came with Mel Tucker from, from Colorado to run the offense. He had kind of an underwhelming year in, in, in year one at Colorado. It was only his first year. But given the talent, you know, a four-year starter, a starter at QB, a ridiculous amount of talent in the receiver core there, uh, including LaVisca Chanel. And they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't do great. And there were some injuries, et cetera. But the book is, is still a little bit out on Johnson. However, he is going to modernize this offense at Michigan State. He runs more up-tempo, more th- three-wide receiver sets. He calls more RPOs, which is really interesting. I'll get to that later. I mean, this, this is going to be a dramatically different and more modern scheme than we've seen the last five years for Michigan State. Unfortunately, it also means that my favorite bit in these MSU previews, talking about the, the, the big receivers, is, uh, is probably toast. Because with more RPOs and three-receiver sets, that's really going to benefit smaller, faster players like Jalen Naylor that I mentioned earlier. And, and Michigan state isn't going to have to rely on that six, four dude to just jump up and get a, get a jump ball downfield anymore. Now, in addition to Naylor, uh, who's like I said, kind of a slot speedster, the, the, the wide, the wide receiver group beyond him is just a giant question mark. So Trey Mosley was goodish as a freshman. Like I said, he caught like 20 balls for 200 and some yards. Um, they have a monster, six foot six dude named uh, Trayvon Morgan, who's entering his second year. He didn't play last year, but presumably um, you may see him hit, hit the field. Rivals has him as four stars. Phil Steele has him pretty far down the recruiting list, so who knows where he's where he's going to land? But more than likely, you'll also hear from these guys, Ricky White and Terry Lockett. They're two four star receivers. They're Michigan State's top two commits coming in this last year. They are legit threats in this offense. Uh, Terry Lockhart has a has a really really weird and interesting history. He comes from Minnesota. He was playing in this private school uh, basketball and football. Switched schools to be at like an all basketball school. Was playing with um, uh, one of the ball kids. Like just just weird weird like weird stuff going on. He basically didn't play football for a little while. But the guy is an absolute monster receiver. So. They are probably going to get pretty good at at the receiver position over the next couple seasons. I mentioned Elijah Collins. He's back at running back. They should be just fine there. The offensive line remains a concern until proven otherwise. Um, They lose the entire left side, but the three returners are their best guys. They still have Brian Allen at center. They get um, the guy I mentioned earlier, Kevin Davis, back. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But their biggest problem, QB, is a total mystery. Rocky Lombardi thrilled nobody with his passing ability the last 2 years. Has a great name but just didn't look that good out there. Theo Day and Peyton Thorne are the other two names. All these guys are pro-style three-star QBs who I just I can't say they're going to really excite anybody. Um they don't, you know, they don't jump off the page and nobody's nobody appears to be emerging either. Um, the bottom line is like this, this offense eventually is going to be more modern. Uh, it's probably going to be more exciting and, and, and better, but I think that's at least a year away until they figure out what's going on at QB. There's no reason to think one of these guys is going to jump off the page and just, you know, take this frame from the get go. So to echo John's comments, like, please, God, can we play this team in the first week of the season? Cause there's going to be a mess on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You look at Mel Tucker coming over from Colorado.
0: I mean, he was only at Colorado for one year, so you might be able to draw some parallels to what Colorado did last year, first season with Mel Tucker, as to what Michigan State might do uh, first year under Tucker. E-
2: except except for that whole, like, four-year starter at QB thing. And Lavisca.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, oh, yeah. they don't have Visca. Yeah.
2: So,
0: I mean, but, you know, Colorado had a really up-and-down year, and they seemed to get things together later later. Um, but, you know, off the bat, they, they were just really Easter famine. So, you know, fingers crossed that, that could be something that uh, that we see from the Spartans. Um, looking at their, their place in the East, I mean, they're not better than Ohio State. They're not better than Penn State. They're not better than
1: Michigan. Oh, this Are they better than Indiana? No. N- no. No, they're not. No, they are not at all. And that's the – it's funny. I was looking at a couple of things. The So, first of all, Indiana finished higher than them in the East last year. Michigan state. Was right. I mean, fifth they, they, they were
2: fifth in the East. Yeah. Indiana and, should have beat them last year. And too. Was, Michigan state got damn lucky to win that game.
1: Exactly. And I was say, and that game was, uh, I was looking at it earlier, seven, seven after one quarter, uh, at the half, Michigan state was up 21, 14. It was 21, 17 after, uh, three. And then they basically traded points in the fourth and Michigan state ended up winning by nine. But, I think that, that kind of felt like a last hurrah here. Um, Indiana, it's not just that Indiana's offense is so much more dynamic right now. It's that Indiana's just got the culture in place right now. Um, does Michigan State have more talent on the roster? Yeah, absolutely they do. But Indiana, I think there's a flip-flop going here, and I think you're going to see that stay the same. It's going to be really hard. It's funny, you know, we talked when we did the Michigan and Ohio State previews Sam, you brought it up that you were like, look, we're not going to go through their specific schedules because everything's basically being thrown out. We don't know exactly to what extent things are thrown out, like if they're going to completely go back to the drawing board or try to hold a base framework of what was there before. You know, And we like we just don't know. We're going to find it out. No one is hoping that the old schedules get blown up more than Michigan State is. Um, It's not just like it's not just that they start with us. If you take out their non-con, here's the start of their year. Northwestern, Iowa, Michigan, Ohio State, Indiana, Minnesota, Penn State. I mean, 0-7 is possible in that group. It doesn't get any worse than that. And if you were to throw in, I mean, really, to to just complete... If you add Wisconsin to this in some hypothetical adding a 10th team situation... You could argue no one in the country has a worse schedule than Michigan State, and if it was Purdue, that doesn't help much either because Purdue would eviscerate this defense. They're just built to to hit Michigan State in all the worst ways. Um, Illinois and Nebraska would be a different story, but it's if they keep even the framework, if they keep the same teams, for example, like they're in in the current the old schedule, they're at Indiana this year. And since this feels like a real tipping point in the power in the conference between those two teams, like that's not where they want to be. But this, I mean, again, like Tucker may turn things around, um, but for this particular moment in time, I mean, this team, I can't see them losing to Maryland. I can't see them losing to Rutgers, but you're talking two years in a row, at least where they're the fifth best team in the East. I mean, that's. It's it's kind of crazy for a team that, you know, was nation's best defense several years, but that's where they are right now and they're gonna have to dig out of it.
0: Do you think they're happy that they're missing their non con? I mean, their non con was at BYU home against Toledo and Miami.
1: Yeah, at BYU, that does them no favors. Who knows what Miami is year in and year out. I mean, that team will look amazing and then get plowed by Wisconsin, so I don't really know. I mean, at
2: least it would have been some time to prep and opening with Northwestern with a Peyton Ramsey led Northwestern would have been would have been problematic um hopefully it is, it is still problematic Yeah, but, I was going to say but i mean the other thing like not having a spring and and this coaching staff coming in so late in the game i like it's it's a miracle that they preserved some of those guys i was mentioning from the recruiting side um I mean like so well I guess they had to right cuz they had already no, it signed. it was it was a week after signing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um so of left Colorado high and dry, but but still like I just like I it was it was such a sudden departure for D'Antonio. I would imagine that um I can't imagine that the players were like banged up about it and and you know everybody says good things about Mel Tucker, right? So like I I'm, I'm not concerned about their culture or, or their buy-in but they've just they've had no time to, to explore anything the, everything is changing on both sides of the ball they've lost so much talent they're, they're starting from scratch and they've had no spring ball they're gonna have limited fall ball and they're gonna start in the in the den of the dragon um they don't even get to play like in illinois first it's it's brutal
1: yeah and and i think one of the other things to really keep in mind is you can look at a couple of the names on the defense and be like, okay, well, Anton Simmons is an awesome player. Xavier Henderson is a great player. Remember, this was not an unreal defense last year. This was the sixth best defense in the conference, losing most of its best players. So yes, it's Michigan State, but they are really going back to the drawing board in every way, offensive and defensive right now. Uh, and has,
0: has Michigan State lost the benefit of the doubt on their defense since uh
1: um Narduzzi left well I mean they had resurrected it at one point but I really do think Scuzz is right like the I think the word is out that I think the D'Antonio thing had really kind of run its course not just on the field but off the field I mean we talked certainly about the whole Urban Meyer situation and the the possibility of just drama submarining a program. And that's real. And I think it was a combination of Michigan State is so culture dependent that that culture started to go sideways. And it kind of felt like, A, things were running its course. D'Antonio was kind of at the end. Things were really kind of going sour on and off the field. And then it's like, you're things were they were just kind of running out of gas like scuzz said i don't think anyone is broken up about the fact that they're turning over the administration like that needed to happen but they're not in a great place right now and again this was never a team that's done it like they have four-star scuzz bench they have four-star wideouts they have a couple four-star players on defense but it's not like this team is recruiting leaps and bounds above where northwestern's recruiting. Like. They've done it with culture, and that's all turning over right now. And, and again, at a time when Indiana is locked in. So it's, again, like this is feels solid, solidly like the fifth best team in the East. There's no doubt about that. They
2: lost 44-10 to 10 to Michigan last year. Yeah. They haven't they haven't lost by they lost by 14 the year prior, but I mean it was still a close game, right? It was 21-7. Right. They lost 44 to 10 to their biggest most important rival that they care immensely about.
1: Right. It feels like right now Michigan is grap- is rapidly losing ground on Ohio State and Michigan State's rapidly losing ground on Michigan.
2: Like yeah, I th- there's there's an argument to be made because like like I was saying they, they kind of peaked in twenty fifteen, right? Um and then things started to come off the rails in twenty sixteen. But that's also when Harbaugh hit like year three of recruiting the state of Michigan, and you just you just wonder how much D'Antonio benefited from both the trestle turnover at Ohio State and the just dysfunction what 6 7 years of dysfunction at Michigan um, and, and how much he was able to benefit in terms of recruiting now now his, his 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 recruiting rankings peaked out in that i think 14 15 16 time
1: frame and they but they haven't been bad since then they just you made, like you made an awesome point here that has teed me up in a massive way because you know who's got the number one quarterback, running back, and top three lineman in the state of Michigan coming in this coming year? <laughs> <Damn> <laughs> we do, street. baby. And that factors in, right? Like, 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 obviously, a big part of that is the damn good job we're doing. And that includes the recruiting. But these are guys who could have been Michigan State guys in other years, right? I mean, it's they're not where they were. For sure. Um, in recruiting, in football, it happens fast in college football, but that's where they are right now. They're in a big hole.
0: So we get to uh, leave the Spartans there until we come back to them as we get closer to the season? Left left for dead behind the
1: bus. till we come back <laughs> for them at the start of the season in week one. Come on, well, God let's, willing. Let's hope,
0: let's hope. Uh, So we'll go ahead and leave the Spartans there for tonight. Uh, Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at westlawpirates, and email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the Westlaw Bryan field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Scasplay, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.